Welcome to Emma's podcast. In today's podcast, then we have somebody who is a recurring guest who was on the show uh, not even a month ago. His name is Richard Rivera and is um, basically a wonderful photographer at Stellar's Gallery and has shared an amazing story, actually, from a deep-rooted New Yorker to move to Phoenix, Arizona. It was quite an adventure to listen to it. But I think, and I will always remember for your story, is how bold you were to get yourself into the Brooklyn Museum and just walked in and just say what you had to say, which paid off. So I'm still amazed by that story. That's that's it. That to me is fantastic. It's like, oh my God, it's a, you know, sometimes it's helped to be, you know, to, to go and do what you got to do and say what you got to say, even though you don't know the outcome and being bold enough to, um, to take that leap of faith, which people, not everybody does that. So how are you doing, Richard? Hello. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, just lovely, lovely, lovely. Just, you know, end of the summer, a little crazy here, but that's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Just still enjoying the weather until that turns uh, to winter, which I'm not looking forward right now, but that's all right. Is there already did and put the Halloween candy uh, for the past week also out here? I don't know for you, but when you go to the stores, the decoration and Halloween is already in full bloom. It's no, crazy. not not here. No, really? Yes. Wow. Okay, so I should move to Arizona because obviously everybody <laughs> else is. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was looking at some of the decor, like holy moly, and the candies and and the theme, and everybody else already here. Uh, pulled it. So that's very, very interesting. So today we are going to be talking about cameras because as a photographer, you had your, you have, and for so many years, so many decades, you have used your cameras and you're a professional photographer. So I wanted to know a little bit more about the cameras and for people who just want to start, because I know we can use our iPhone, we can use now the phone because it becomes your camera, your, your uh, video cam. You can do a lot of things except maybe uh, fry eggs yet. We never know. It could in the future become a cooking stencil. But right now they're using cameras uh, from their phone to record, which, you know, Apple has a fantastic cameras. Uh, and I say cameras with an S because there is three, depends on the one you've got. Uh, mine has, I think, three in the back. Yes. I have three in the back. Some I have two, I believe. But for people who really are aficionado or really want to start to learn um, photography, you know, it's cute and nice to use your iPhone or any other smartphone. But what would you recommend for somebody who's just studying it, just put their toes in the water and learn from what camera is best or what kind of style is the best? Do you have any recommendation? Because you saw that it was a Polaroid, but what would you recommend? Well, I, I think it all depends on where you are in your growth as a, as a person who's taking pictures. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the smartphone is an interesting invention, and it gives you quite a, a few different options. And uh, it, it generally has replaced the uh, point and shoot that was common back in the, uh, 
90s and 80s, you know, as a as a film camera. But um, I think if you really, okay, so going back, if you want to progress further than just a, a snapshot, and there's nothing wrong with snapshots. I mean, I think nowadays uh, what I was reading is that they're, something like 4.7 billion images that are shot every day because of smartphones. They've become so ubiquitous and uh, so easy to use. But being easy to use doesn't always give you the best results. And it all depends on where you are in your development as a photographer and what you want to achieve. So um, if, I mean, the thing is, I would recommend for people who really want to progress beyond the smartphone. Well, I mean, let's go back. If you're using the smartphone, you can still utilize a lot of the things on the smartphone. There are different apps that give you many possibilities. For instance, there's on the iPhone, there's an app called Focus, F-O-C-O-S. And what that does is that it will actually allow you to reset your point of focus after the photograph has been taken and give you a computational blur in the background. In -hmm. other words, imitating the depth of field that you would get with a traditional camera and traditional photography. And it gives you a lot of different options. It produces a, um, a TIFF file, which is higher resolution. And uh, there are other many things. There also, um, Apple on its iPhone, I think the latest iteration, has made possible for you to shoot RAW. Uh, in other yes. words, RAW is a format which is uncompressed and unmanipulated, and mm-hmm. um, it allows you, it gives you, if you're doing post-processing with a RAW file, you can really enhance tonalities, bring out detail in the shadows, minimize your highlights, and so forth. So, uh even Apple has now a RAW that's possible that you can shoot with the iPhone. So there are a lot of things that you can do with the iPhone. If you want to progress to a a camera that gives you more options, then that would be a middle range. And that would bring you into a DSLR, which is a a digital single lens reflex. And uh, the market for that um, starts somewhere around four to $500 where you can pick up a DSLR uh, either from Canon or someone else. And uh, also the used market is a great market to buy into. So and, looking, um, okay, so let's briefly talk about the used market and we'll go back to the cameras. Uh, if you're not an expert at it, what advice do you have to, um, to send to people who, because if you want a camera and they are quite expensive, some are, extremely expensive depends on the lens and what you're buying but how a person will know if it's the right fit for them for a camera how how do they know that and how do they know their camera works properly because they have no idea if they know all of the feature or not well let's um let's take back a step so if you're going to be buying a camera which is more expensive and Mm -hmm. and you're looking at the used market Um, you really have to, first of all, deal with a reputable store that if there is a problem, you can return it, even if it is a used camera. There are many stores that do that. Um, On the East Coast, you have a B&H Photo Video, which is a great camera store, very reputable. 
they sell used equipment. Also, KEH is another one that sells good used equipment. Actually, they have probably one of the largest stocks of, uh, of used gear, lenses and cameras of all kinds, including film cameras. So that would be the first thing. The next thing is, what do you want to achieve with the camera? Are you trying to photograph things which are going to be close that you don't need a long telephoto lens? Or are you going to be photographing things that are in motion, such as your children running around in the backyard and having fun? Uh, so these are some of the things that you have to decide ahead of time what it is that you prioritize. Because for those two things, it would be very different kind of criteria where one would put you automatically into a higher price bracket. For instance, if you wanted to photograph your children, you know, having fun in the backyard, that means that you need to have a shutter speed which is going to be high enough to stop the action. You probably would also want something that's a little bit longer lens in terms of focal length than the traditional 50 millimeter or 35 millimeter lens, which is kind of standard. So those are some of the things that you have to consider. But the very first thing I think would be going with a reputable store. And a lot of stores, if you go in uh, and you speak to knowledgeable salesperson, they will actually guide you and, and make suggestions to you as to what the best approach is for what you want to prioritize. Okay, so that's, that gives us the first hint. Thank you for uh, talking about stores because most people maybe were looking at from somebody else's if they're selling it, their own camera. So it's if you don't have an expertise, then go directly to a store. That's I mean, that. those are only two of the ones that are, there are many out there There's that many are reputable. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And going to a store instead than going to uh, somebody else's who put it on Craigslist or anything like that. Because if you don't know how cameras are working, uh, you will be surprised to buy something that is maybe broken or doesn't work properly and that will not be uh, suitable for what you need. So right. uh, thank you for highlighting this. So you started with a Polaroid in your, um, when you, you started the, the, to photograph, to taking pictures and you moved to a different set of cameras. So when you move to the different set of cameras, where the intention was theirs, or you just picked up the camera and just try it on and see if that fits your needs, or if you felt that that was what you wanted or use it at that time when you started. You mean initially when I began? Yes. To talk yeah, yeah. Well, I, as I mentioned in our first session, when I started in photography, it was, it was I had had an interest in photography, mm -hmm. uh, but I my family didn't own a camera. Yep. So uh, I found this, Kodak Instamatic, mm -hmm. which took these drop-in cartridges, Instamatic cartridges yeah. for film. And I started photographing with that. And mostly what I found was what I wanted to record. It wasn't so matter uh, of the focal length. It was a matter of the subject matter. And I was fascinated by the quality of light and colors. Um, so th those were the things that were my priorities. So when I started photographing and there was a friend of mine uh, who I had known since high school who actually w did have a camera and was in into photography already. He was the one who sort of guided me and, and recommended, you know, a very basic, um, you know, uh, SLR, um, mm -hmm. single lens reflex at the time. Yeah. 
and with interchangeable lenses. And I purchased it with the standard 50 millimeter lens. And by just using it repeatedly, I really learned a lot. Uh, I learned through trial and error. I didn't go to a school to learn, which is not to say that, uh, you know, that is the best way to do it. It just happened to be the way that worked out for me. I think that actually going, if you, if you're, final end game is a career in photography i think going to a school where you can actually learn photography is a very good idea because um, not only will you be learning from someone who's you know a highly qualified professional but you'll also be able to share the camaraderie of you know other photographers and people who are also learning at your level and you learn from each other in, in a lot of that process I remember when um, when I started out, there were uh, two other people who had gone to college with me, and we decided to set up a darkroom. And we learned from each other in the darkroom, mm-hmm. you know, learning techniques, dodging, burning, uh, how long to process something, mixing hypo, you know, the fixer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we were developing our own film. So you can actually learn quite a bit from, from other people. Then that's wonderful because that's another thing too, uh, compared to the traditional, well, I call it traditional camera, who has a roll of film to moving to digital, it makes a huge difference as well because you're eliminating the black room. Yes, well, that's an advantage and a disadvantage. A lot of the things that I learned in the darkroom about dodging and burning and, and using uh, bleach to bring out certain details in an image, those things for me have all carried over into the digital darkroom, into post-processing all of the images. Um, for me, I, I always shoot raw. I don't shoot JPEGs and that's nothing against JPEGs. I mean, for people who you know, just want something straight out of the camera or to share on, on Instagram or send off to their friends via Facebook, that's fine. But if you want to have more control over your tonalities, your colors, uh, what gets emphasized, what becomes de-emphasized in an image. Uh, that is really the digital darkroom, which is post-processing of raw files. And it gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of tonal compression, contrast, uh, color rendition, color strength, you know, how saturated something is, whether you actually want to have uh, a color attuned to a slightly different shade or even replaced with a different color. All of those things are possible in post-processing. That's amazing to know because that's, I learned um, how to, to use the darkroom, the physical one. So for me, I don't know, going digital is still a little, uh, I don't have a digital camera actually, except my phone, that's the only thing that is digital. The rest is all semi-automatic uh, and if I have to use a darkroom I will use because I like to have my little roll of film. <laughs> I don't know I'm used yeah. to it so that's oh, why. The roll of film is the film is a great asset I mean yes. there are things that when I switched over to digital there were a lot of things that I find great about film and a lot of things that you find frustrating about film. For me mm-hmm. the big problem was the time Time, you know, processing film, going through all the steps is very time consuming. Printing is very time consuming. All of that is cut down to a fraction of the time, even if you're doing your own post-processing 
of digital uh, images. It's it's a huge time saver. The other aspect is that I know people who were allergic to chemicals in the darkroom. Even though you're supposed to have a lot of good ventilation to get those chemicals out, you know, you're dealing with uh, very damaging chemicals that not are only damaging to you, but also damaging to the environment. So um, it's always a trade-off in photography. You know, Mm -hmm. there's there's no one answer that fits all all situations or all people. That's wonderful to uh, to listen to you talking about uh, photography and the cameras. So for people who really want to learn a little bit more of the cameras and um, switch from because their phone becomes a camera automatically. So they should go to digital. I I like the traditional um, cameras but they should go to digitals and look at what their intentions of are in regard to the uh, photography and what they want to accomplish. Now, when you're looking at lenses, because you got different style um, of lenses, what would you recommend for people? Again, is it always based on the intention of what you want to photograph or could you just, you know, if you start with one specific lens, can you maybe add a little bit of more than one and two extra just in case to expand your skill set? Or what would be the best when you start with those digital cameras or cameras in general? Okay, so uh, when you had, when, which I still, there, I, I think there's still some um, point and shoots that are available around that were lower priced. Now, most of those have built-in zoom lens. And a zoom lens is basically a lens that will go to various different focal lengths. So sometimes you typically, they start out with a wider angle lens that -hmm. encompasses more of the view of what you're looking at. And then they zoom out to a longer focal length, which takes in a fraction of the of the scene magnified. Um, so if when you're starting out, if you're starting out and you definitely want to purchase a, um, a camera with an interchangeable lens, in other words, that you can replace the lens with a different lens, one thing to keep in mind is um, <clears throat> the value of the lens holds better than the value of the camera body. Mm-hmm. So you should always try to invest in really the best lens that you can afford. Uh, that's number one. Number two would be that if you start out with a lens that has multiple uses, in other words, a 50 millimeter lens, which is fairly standard or a 35 millimeter lens, which is slightly wider angle, allows you to shoot groups of people. It allows you to shoot a moderate distance portrait, you know, of someone sitting in a chair or sitting in a space and something like that. It also allows you to shoot children because it it photographs children because even though they're running around, if you're not going to be very precise in your focusing, it encompasses more. It also allows you to photograph landscapes, um, you know, buildings, architecture. Uh So it has a lot of different uses. If you're going to depart from that and you want to get into something that's more flexible, then I would definitely recommend a zoom lens, Mm -hmm. which will take you to a moderate from a moderate focal length, like a 35 to a longer, maybe an 85 or a 75. 
And 85 works out to be a very practical lens for shooting, for photographing people as a portrait situation, mm -hmm. because it gives you just the right depth of field, uh, the right blur of the background, and it gives you some flexibility. So that's fun. That's great. The good information for people to uh, to also know, uh, because I know a lot of people don't um, completely understand unless uh, they're taking the time when they are in the store. So yeah, if you decide to buy it online, good. But it's better to be in a store to feel and have a feel of the camera, and especially the different lenses as well. It takes time to pick up the lenses. Uh, and the right one. So having a basic one is great, but having another one, another lenses uh, can be extremely useful because I'm looking more, you know, when you do portrait is nice, but I feel like more when you, you go out there and looking at nature, you can capture some absolutely magnificent, magnificent uh, pictures like you have on the website where there are amazing pictures with the color, uh, the architecture, everything. It can be from a building, from a tree. Uh, it's just amazing when you got the right lens. So sometimes when you're using a lens or a camera, and it happened to me with my iPhone, actually, a couple of times when I was looking at the extraordinary sunset, sunrise, and the color were so beautiful. But when I shoot it, <laughs> it didn't look like exactly what it was. It's like, Really? I kind of lost the color in there. It's like, come on. I just want to point and shoot and it looks good and it did not. So having actually a camera where you have a great lens really can um, capture the color. That's to me is amazing. That to me is worth a lot more than mm -hmm. a simple iPhone or a smartphone that will capture something close enough, but not enough for my eyes when you're looking at the beauty of nature. Yes, well, I, like I said, everything has an advantage and a disadvantage. And the advantage of the, of the smartphone is that it, you know, it's always with you. Uh, you can always easily carry it and it's accessible. Uh, the disadvantage of something like the smartphone is that the sensor in it is very small. Usually the sensors are, uh, it could be as small as the, the fingernail on your pinky. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> That's how small the sensor is. And there they're putting 12 million, 10 million photosites to capture the light. Uh, usually you run into a problem in terms of dynamic range. It's helped if you photograph with RAW to extend the dynamic range in bringing out shadows or taming the highlights. Um, but uh, you're definitely going to do better if you move up to a bigger camera with a bigger sensor. Mm -hmm. uh, even something like a micro four thirds format, which is a, a mirrorless format, which has a, developed over the past 10, 12 years. And um, the micro four thirds format is actually half the size. The sensor is half the size of a traditional 35 millimeter frame, which is like okay. a film frame, like a slide. Mm -hmm. So yep. it's half that size, but it still is very good. It's really excellent at capturing a dynamic range that is definitely superior to a smartphone. So uh, that would be one definite step that would um, improve photography. But like I said, uh, for those who don't want to either take the, the, the step of the expense or being 
uh, cumbered, you know, encumbered with um, a larger camera that they're carrying around. There's still a lot that you can really do with a smartphone, but it does take a degree of post-processing. Uh, there's another app on the phone, which is called um, Pro Camera. I think it's called Pro Camera. And that allows you to photograph so that you're actually able to control your exposure uh, with a histogram. So okay. it displays the histogram. Now, a histogram, for those that are unfamiliar with it, a histogram is a graphic representation. It's sort of a graph. So you have a square and there's a line that runs through it and would typically be an S shape. Uh -huh. So the, the, the S shape, the top would be higher on the right, lower on the left. And the, what, what it indicates is that the shadow values would be on the left, the highlights uh -huh. would be on the right. If uh -huh. you don't lose the highlights, you have a very good chance of having an excellent photograph because you can always recover shadow detail. Mm -hmm. So that's one tool that is available. And you know, it, it's, it's amazing that they've incorporated so much technology into smartphones. So um, you can do a lot with that, even with a, a point and shoot. I mean, there was, I have this little one. Well, you can't see it because it's not video, but this- Yes, it is actually, it will turn into video. Yeah, this, this mm -hmm. tiny camera is, is antique now because it's no longer produced. It was a Canon camera. It has a, a flip out screen that you can oh, see. Oh yeah. The back. Yes. And um what was great about it was that um it did have a zoom lens. It does have a mm -hmm. zoom lens. It allows you flexibility in terms of exposure, but it yeah. does not shoot raw. That's how old it is. It does not shoot raw. Yeah. But it's a digital camera. And, and, you know, I'm sure that if you go back, you can find some great finds mm -hmm. that are very flexible to use and, and give you a lot of options. Oh, that's good. That's good. So question also about filters, uh, because on the one that I have, uh, that's many, many years, a few decades. I don't think they make this one either, Minolta. But um, I bought filters as well because they were very useful for reflection, for, um, uh, I don't know, I think also the colors as well. And I bought some of the filters. So with the digital cameras, because again, I use the old version of the cameras, meaning no digital, some automatic. I, want, I wanted to know, um, do you use filters or is filters are coming with the digital camera itself or do you have to purchase the filters? Well, you can use digital, you can use filters on digital camera, yes. If you're using, if you're doing post-processing, mm -hmm. you can usually colorize or have a filtration change in the post-processing, that means you don't okay. need filters when you're, when you're photographing. But you can use filters. Usually the most useful filters are neutral density filters. Mm -hmm. If something is too bright, mm -hmm. uh, then you can use a, a neutral density to cut down the amount of brightness. Uh, those are usually the most useful. But I mean, again, one of the, even uh, on a smartphone, if you're doing post-processing with something like as simple as Snapseed, uh, Snapseed mm -hmm. is an app which is free. Uh, it gives you the ability to 
do a lot of things, including colorizing and filtration and so forth, changing color balance on your images. That's amazing. That's totally amazing. So for people who's using it, their uh, phone, then you have a way to do it. But I feel that, I don't know, I always have, love to have a camera in my hands. I'd always <laughs> like to be behind the, and I'm not an expert photographer, so don't even try to find any of my beautiful pictures because it's not there online, live, so no. But as an amateur, because I learned photography when I was in school on a couple of things I was doing that was part of it, I appreciated the cameras and I really like it because it really brings you back in a time to be present and not, you know, shoot and run and do something else. You really take the time to prepare the cameras, to really yes. focus the right focus you need. So it really makes you and be present on what you're doing. And that's what I love with the cameras. Uh, all, and as well for me, I, when you, I dropped the role uh, to, to be, um, what do you call it? Um, developed process thank you develop thank you because i lost my my words in english now awesome i'm gonna switch language soon <laughs> uh it's it's always a surprise when you because you know what you took as a picture but to see the result as well because mine like yours and you just showed the canon had kind of a, what do you call it a preview so you know mine is like you couldn't see it you just snap it it's like okay you know you, th you think you got the right one awesome but sometimes you don't but it's always a surprise to look at the, when you see the film, uh, the film, and when you see the photographs itself, uh, and look at it. So for me, it's an appreciation of the arts as well because it's really artistry at its best to have yes. a physical camera. Yes, and and the other advantage of of shooting film is that you can always go back years later and scan the film and make it into digital. Mm -hmm. You can make a, you can arrive at a digital image from the, from the actual negative. Absolutely. So that's, that's yeah. another advantage. Yeah. Absolutely. So currently, uh, do you use your iPhone or do you do a mix with your camera and iPhone? What, what is the best for you or what do you, what is your process to decide what you're going to use for a camera or your phone? Well, I always, uh, obviously, I always carry my phone with me and it's very mm -hmm. easy to pull out your phone and, and snap something. But even if you want to take a little bit more time where you find there's something really compelling about what you're seeing and you can't put your finger on it, but you feel that you must photograph it mm -hmm. and you want it to be more than just a snapshot. Um, yeah, there's, the, there's a lot that you can do with your phone. and. Um, and uh, I use different, I use a variety of cameras. I'm not against using my phone in a situation, but if I go out with a purpose to a specific location and I have an idea of what I want to photograph, I usually carry what I call the beast. <laughs> <laughs> Can you show us the camera? The beast is this. Oh, yeah. That's so nice this one. is... Uh, this is a camera that, that I haven't had too many years, but it's a great camera because it's, well, I shouldn't say it's a great camera. The images that you can capture with it are really uh, exceptional. It has a different kind of sensor. It's a, the sensor is called the Foveon sensor, and it's very different from all of the other sensors that are on the market. 
Uh, the camera is produced by Sigma. Um, and what it is, the, the foveons, I, I don't want to get a little too technical, but typically in, in most cameras, what you have is a sensor with a, let's say, if you can imagine a color mosaic of red, green, and blue tiles. Yes. So these, the, this mosaic covers the entire sensor. And what it's doing is that it's limiting the wavelengths of the light that are hitting the photocytes of the sensor. Okay. So that's red, green, blue. Now, the way that the foveon sensor operates is that it has three layers of silica. And at each, each photocyte is open to red, green, or blue wavelengths. So it's capturing more of the visible light that's coming in yes. because yeah. it's not excluding any of the light with the filtration. It's basically open to all of it. And then later on, it basically sorts out what is going to be red, green, and blue, and so forth. It, it's, um, I find that the images are exceptional because it captures more of why, what I see as color. You know, you typically mm -hmm. take a picture with a typical camera and you're going to get a green, let's say green, and that green has a gradient from light yeah. to dark, light yeah. green to dark green, and mm -hmm. so forth. When you take a picture with the foveon, what I see is that it's not only capturing green, but it's also capturing viridian green, olive green, teal green. It's capturing all of these different greens. It's not just a gradient of light to dark green. So it's, the color is richer. But, you know, the trade-offs with this camera is that it's very slow. In an age when cameras now, the typical cameras, the professional cameras are capturing 30 frames per second or 15 frames per second. With this, it's barely capturing one frame per second. <laughs> it's yeah. not very good at autofocus. It's okay yeah. at autofocus. It's not great. It's slow. It's big. It's heavy. <laughs> so there are always trade-offs that you're making. But for the kind of photography that I do, and most of the time, I shoot manual. I don't shoot automatic. I shoot mm -hmm. manual focus. Uh, it's fine. For me, it's, it's worth it, you know, to get those, those colors that I want. Oh, yeah, because the colors are striking up. Beautiful. That's why it's amazing when you're looking at uh, your art, at your photographs. It's just the richness and the depth of the colors. It's not something you will see in a magazine that's like, oh, it's cute and nice to have that. There is something extra that really caught everybody's attention and bring it to the uh, different level of you seeing another photograph not made, um, taken by that camera. So for me, uh, I would rather have a, snow, a slow snail and take my time to get the camera, even if it's heavy, and have fantastic colors, amazing colors, than being emitted with a new cameras that um, just limit the depth of the colors, and that would not give the same result. Now, so, the thing is, I mean, obviously, this is my opinion. There are a lot of good cameras out there. I have photographed over the years when I had film cameras, I had, uh, at one point, I had a Nikon, I had a Canon, I shot with Leica, I had a Hasselblad. So I've shot with a lot of different cameras. And uh, with digital cameras, I've also photographed, you know, and had in my collections at different times, Nikons, Canons. Uh, the Canon color is sort of legendary in terms of its color science. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of 
I mean, Olympus produces a, an excellent camera with uh, micro four thirds. Uh, Fuji's color, Fuji mm -hmm. has is still Fuji Film is still yeah. making film. Yes, and they have carried tried to carry over their color science into their digital cameras. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, I think you have to find what works for you. You know, what works for me doesn't necessarily work for everyone. Yes. And and I agree with you. This is why when you want and you're looking for a camera, you go physically to a store so you can have the feel of the camera and you can try it on with the lens to have a feel of how it is. And if you're satisfied, you know, it's always the eye, the vision. So if you're comfortable with the camera itself, but also seeing how uh, you see through the lenses as well and the richness of the color, everything you need for what, uh, what the purpose of the camera is for. But you have to see physically and be there physically with the camera to see if it's a good fit. Yes. Uh, I found it risky at some level or, you know, people maybe don't care, but I do, that you can buy it online, but you never try it on. So. Correct. You yeah. know, it's a, unless you know the brand and you're really accustomed to it, or you went to a store actually and really see what you wanted, then you go online and buy the camera online. That's fine. But again, that's, um, I will say, uh, it's, it feels like a gamble, a gamble. So it's better for me to be physically there to have the camera in my hands, like I did with the Minolta, because when I got mine, it was like, oh, three decades ago. <laughs> yeah, something like that, close to three decades ago. <laughs> and I had, uh, I'm like, I'm trying to think back. I'm like, yeah, that's funny. Three decades ago, woohoo, time passed by here on here. My goodness. <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. But I had a camera on my hand, in my hands. I had uh, actually the person who was selling because he's a professional um, photographer. He had he was selling cameras. So, but I had it in my hands. He showed me everything. He explained. I had a good feeling because he was showing me. I was using it. I was really, you know, doing the zoom, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So when I got the camera, I was extremely satisfied by it, even though. I was uh, going to school. I wasn't an expert and I'm still not, I'm not even an expert at uh, photographs at all, neither cameras, but it was the right fit for what I needed. I still uh, go and use my cameras. I wanted to get uh, different lenses because mine is a very, okay, it can go very far or uh, uh, very close as well. Very, very uh, close. I forgot what you call it earlier. Sorry. Macro? Uh, the you. zoom lens yes yeah it was a wide and a macro too which was nice because that helped me with a wide range that was awesome actually but uh and i use filters as well i got a couple of filters and i uh, used it on the lens but yes. it, it was good because i had a sense and a feel of the camera and for me your eyes tell it said it all so when you have you using your eyes you can feel if it's the right lens or you feel comfortable or not or you can ask questions as well because yes you know when you want uh to start to take pictures it's good to have somebody who has expertise and can really direct you to the right product not trying to yes. sell you anything else but just help you so those are great. It's, yeah, um, it's usually difficult to find a really good salesperson that's not just intent on making the sale. But, yes. Uh, so I, I think your your instincts are absolutely correct. It's good to go to the store, even if you don't intend to buy anything that day. 
and yeah. just handle cameras, look at the cameras, if possible, you know, have a hands-on experience. Now, there's some stores that actually still do that, uh, mm -hmm. brick and mortar stores. Uh, if, you, if you know enough about a camera or a certain kind of camera, you can rent them. There, uh, there are different rentals that you can do online. Uh, Lens Rentals is one of them that I've used and they're, they're excellent. Um, so there, there are different ways to approach it, but definitely handling the camera makes a big difference because it's not just, it's, it's not just a practicality choice. Mm -hmm. It's also an aesthetic choice. You're buying something that has to please you uh, it's in its design, in its functionality. You know, a lot of the pro cameras have lots of buttons. And the reason why they have lots of buttons all over is because it's easier for a professional who's in, in a, um, well, some are in stressful situations, but usually you're in a situation where time matters and you don't want to be fumble, uh, fumbling around looking through a menu, a camera menu when yeah. a button makes it much more accessible. So that's one thing. Uh, you know, there are a lot of aesthetic choices that you're making when you pick up the camera, how it feels, how the lens feels when you're focusing mm -hmm. with it, yes. how the controls feel, how accessible yeah. they are, the tactile quality. So there's a lot that goes into it. Also, looking through the, the viewfinder, you know, with, mm -hmm. with uh, DSLRs, which were uh, a carryover, a continuation of the SLR with film, with uh, digital single lens reflexes, you are looking through the lens. You're actually physically looking through the lens. You're seeing what the lens sees and the lens is basically taking that image that's coming into it, having it bounced off a mirror, going yep. up into a pentaprism and into your eye. So you're actually mm -hmm. physically looking through the lens. So the optics, the physicality of what you're seeing is actually there. With the newer cameras, with mirrorless cameras, you're actually seeing a, a TV, a micro TV image of what the lens is seeing, what the sensor is seeing. Yeah. You're not even seeing what, the, what physically the lens is seeing. It's, it's what the sensor is picking up in terms of light, which also has its advantages and disadvantages. Because as you close down with the older cameras, as you close down the lens, you stop down the lens to smaller apertures the picture will get darker. Yes. Now, a, lot of, a lot of mechanisms were built into it to have it always be open so that you could mm -hmm. see more clearly. But in the really older cameras, as you stopped on the lens, as you got to a smaller aperture, the mm -hmm. picture became dimmer and dimmer. Now, the, with the mirrorless cameras, no matter how much you close it down, it's going to pump up the light levels and the gain levels electronically so that you're always seeing a bright, clear image. So there's always a, a trade-off, you know, in these things, but there's no replacement for going into the store, handling it, you know, uh, seeing what the physicality of it, the weight, if it's comfortable for you and so forth. Yes, and understanding, understanding the camera and how it works and how somebody else already can show you. So that's why uh, when I wanted a new one, and I did not do it actually because I had an hesitation with the digital one. And we, like you said, there is some stores who uh, you can go in every city, most cities, where um, they are reselling uh, some of the cameras, and uh, the people can already show you how it works. 
Um, and you can start with something maybe that is not brand new. Maybe that's something because it's an investment. To be honest with you, a camera oh, is an investment. It's it's something that you're gonna care and take care of it as well. But you, like you said, some of the mid range start at four or five hundred dollars, and they go up. They go by the thousands and thousands of dollars. It depends what you're gonna do with your uh, with your cameras. So. It's an investment and it's something that should be, I think, thought through uh, properly. And like you said at the beginning, looking at what is the intent for you to use the camera. And when you can pinpoint this and said, well, I want to do portrait, I want to do this and that, and you can really pinpoint it, then you can go into a store and start to figure it out uh, by, well, you can go online and informing yourself about, you know, do some research about cameras, but you can go uh, in the store as well and talk to somebody who has knowledge and can really point you to the right uh, cameras. Maybe you have an idea, but you, because you did some research, then when you go into the store, then they might be able to share, well, the camera you wanted to what they're suggesting and compare, really make the comparison and really have the, the feel of it because that yes. makes a huge difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It, it is an investment. It's an investment in terms of time also, but, you know, to really develop a, a kind of a proficiency and expertise with what you're using so that you, you become totally familiar with it. But it is a big investment uh, in terms of dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, if you're going to be buying a DSLR with interchangeable lenses, you're probably talking, you know, you're probably looking in the range of four to five hundred dollars or more, uh, mm-hmm. if you want a camera with more features, faster uh, speed, a more sensitive uh, sensor, you know, uh, you're probably talking under just under a thousand dollars, and that that would be for the body alone. Well, for the four to five hundred dollars for DSLR, you are including a lens, but once you get past a thousand dollars you're really looking at buying uh, bodies and lenses. And you should be aware of what those lenses are. And like I said, the best investment that you're going to make is by investing into the glass, into a really good lens, because Mm -hmm. bodies can be replaced, but the the lenses, if they're good, uh, if they're high quality, Mm -hmm. they will hold their value. You know, one of the crazy things in this world is that uh, Leica, which is a world famous uh, camera that got started back in 1925. Um, Leica is still making a film camera. They just announced a film camera this year. The that body is... alone is $20,000. <laughs> okay. I think at that point, I'm not using it. I'm going to put it under very nice glass and I will not have anybody touching it or I will use it once a year. <laughs> but that must be a phenomenal. That must be a phenomenal uh, camera. As for them to take the gamble to do one of that cost, it must be a very good camera. Well, it's a Leica, and it has its own set of criteria and priorities mm-hmm. that they they like to emphasize. But um, yeah, I you, you you know, but their lenses tend to hold their values. I mean, you you could still find used lenses, Leica lenses. Mm-hmm. that are used for $4,000, $3,000. And these are not zoom lenses. These are manual lenses. Yeah. <laughs> so it, but that's kind of the stratosphere of, you know, lenses. If you're talking more practical lenses, uh, you're still going to be talking in the range of, you know, four 
hundred to two thousand mm-hmm. dollar uh, range where you you're really getting a, yes. a a good piece of equipment. Yes, it depends on the quality. It depends on where you are with your level of photography as well. Because maybe at the uh, for a beginner, you're not going to be spending a two thousand dollars on this, uh, lenses but you might down the road. So you can start at the bottom and see what works and what fit. And as you're progressing into your journey as a photographer, then you can invest into more expensive lenses. Absolutely. Exactly. Yes, exactly. That, that's amazing. That's totally amazing. So, well, it was nice for having you today because I wanted to know more about the cameras and give an insight for people because you know, it's easy to get lost into the world of cameras when you see a lot of things uh, that is being offered to a consumer. But at the end of the day, if you don't have an expert, I don't understand how it starts to work. So what do you really need? You can spend a lot of money or get the wrong the cameras that you don't need and miss out on really what you need for your own needs. Um, yes, and I always think that the best thing is to well, that's been my experience. Start small, use uh, what you have at hand, make the most of that and see where it takes you. Uh, because like I said, there's a lot that you can do with a smartphone. I mean, the thing is, smartphones are not inexpensive either. I mean, you you could easily spend $1,200 on a smartphone instead yes. of buying a camera for $500. Yes, so, but um, but, but the feel of try- it is the feel of sorry to interrupt you. The feel of it is different as well because yes, absolutely it's it's a different experience. So I absolutely I don't know. Yes. I think you know we all have our iPhone, we all have our smartphone, but I do feel that cameras has a different feel and to take the best pictures. And there is some pictures that have been taken that are absolutely fantastic via a smartphone, but I still feel that the best ones are always going to be with the camera. Well, I, I think that there's something, at least for me, looking through a viewfinder mm-hmm. makes a huge difference in terms of your mindset, in yeah. terms of how you're perceiving the image yeah. and what you want to do with that image. And, and yeah. there's a different kind of flexibility that comes into play. When you're looking at a smartphone screen and you're mm-hmm. having a difficult time squinting in bright sunlight, yeah. trying to see all yes. past all the reflections and all that, that can really uh, impinge and deflate your whole desire to even take a photograph. Yes. So I, I think, you know, I think you have to explore the, but in, there are a lot of inexpensive, so-called inexpensive or relatively inexpensive options that are out there in terms of people exploring photography and, and finding the right camera for you. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, for the, this insight. We are up in the hours right now. It's absolutely fantastic. Do you have any other insights you would like to share with people in this regards for cameras? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm still kind of fascinated by the whole idea of what prompted photography in the first place, which is, you know, if you read the history, it's the pinhole phenomena, you know, the pinhole uh phenomenon, the camera obscura, the way that that there's so many philosophers and people that have written about this in terms of the scientific aspect. You know, you have a a dark room and you have a hole on one side Mm -hmm. and it's actually creating an image on the opposite wall. 
And that was what prompted the first inklings of discovering photography and, and trying to make that image permanent. You know, so I'm still fascinated by that. But uh, photography is, um, is, is a great endeavor to be involved in, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of want to use it, how you want to use it. I mean, a lot of people just want to use it to record events yes. and uh, or scientific uses, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, you know, or photographing sports or weddings or anything like that. But uh, I, I find myself just drawn to the fine art, fine art aspects of photography and being able to, to really tweak that image and tweak the colors and, and make it my own. That is wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us today. And it was a very interesting and educative um, hour. Yes, I know people just say, oh, my God. But yes, it is. Was, it was worth it to listen to it because at least we have more insight. And for people who's looking for, um, you know, to start and become a photographer and they just have a smartphone, then now they have an option to go into a store and really discover what is the core and the essence of photography. That's mean a mm-hmm. real camera and go in the world and just capture time in a beautiful well, it was way. A, it was a pleasure to speak to you today. Now, uh, how people can connect with you and where they can find you, because that would be the last thing. I know on the first episode, if people, or when people are going to go back to the first episode, they can capture everything, but I just want to reiterate where people can find your arts uh, and can connect with you. Well, they can connect with me through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I, they, they can find me there under Richard Rivera, photographer. And uh, if they go to see my work, they can go to stellarsllc.com. Uh, mm-hmm. That's another way. If they want to read some of the things that I've written, they can go to camera-sense.com and they can see some of my articles. I've also posted some articles on LinkedIn, uh, so they might find those of interest. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much. I know we need to do another one, but this time is with your beautiful wife. I need I want both of you into uh, to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you think you would escape this one? No, doesn't happen this way. But that's about what you guys are building and creating uh, and the legacy you're putting together as well. So we'll talk in the next episode and I need to talk to your beautiful wife to see where she is so far with her journey and everything she's putting it together. Then Things are progressing very well, but I'll let her be the one to give you the news. <laughs> okay, well, that's awesome. But uh, so expect guys to hear from uh, Richard again before year end. I will say within a month or two. And with his beautiful wife, because I want both of them in the same room, because I want to interview both of them. I have some questions and I want to see how they're going to re- re- <laughs> how they're going to answer each other's uh, those uh, questions, because they are amazing people. So but it was a pleasure to have you today. And I'm so blessed you uh, agreed to come back and really give us an insight on cameras. To me, it's wonderful. So thank you so much, Richard, for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Emma's Universe Podcast.